So yeah, in the beginning, God created the world in order to, to bless the world um, from the very beginning. And that blessing carried with it a couple of assumptions. It carried with it that a part of that blessing means that God was creating a place for his people to be, to be safe, to be protected, to be taken care of. And that was the Garden of Eden. And he also, he not only gave them a place to be, he not only answered the question, to whom do I belong? But he also created um, them with a desire and an understanding. And, and a part of his blessing is to give them a future, to give them a place to contribute, to allow them to lead, leave behind a legacy. And in that, that's where he talks about, you know, ruling over um, the whole earth. And that blessing continued on down through the centuries until it comes to the, to, to us today. Uh, just a little bit about a part about my story. Uh, came to California way back in the early 80s, not quite back to the beginning, but you know, um, soon uh, after the beginning of time, I came came to California, met my wife, and in the mid 90s or mid 80s, we we felt like God was calling us to go to the mission field. So we went to Central America. We were involved in planting churches there. Um, it was just a great experience for us. And then soon after that, um, about five years later, we felt like God God asked us to come back, and we settled here in North Orange County, a great little neighborhood over in northeastern northeast Placentia, and we've been living there for 20 years or more now. It's 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 great. One of the advantages to being to being in a neighborhood for for such a long time is that you get to know your neighbors really, really well. And as a matter of fact, you get to see lots of neighbors come and go. And particularly in the house that's located right across the street from us, uh, we've seen those those neighbors over, you know, four or five neighbor neighbors have moved in and out there. And it's been great because it gives us the opportunity to uh to to get to know some some new people and to see if we can uh, bless them um, as a part of our neighborhood. Well, about three years ago or so, we had some new neighbors move in. And we, we thought when they moved in, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have an opportunity to get to know them. And, and so we, we kept looking for an opportunity. And we kept looking for an opportunity to get to meet them. And we kept looking, and it just never happened. They lived their life like actually lots of us do in North Orange County. They're really, really busy. And when they get home, as they're driving up to their, their driveway, they hit the garage door opener, it goes up, they drive their car in, and actually they, even before they get out of their car, they hit the garage door, it goes down. And so we just found it really, really hard to develop a, a relationship with them. We wanted to know how, how could we bless them. And so um, finally one day, I'm taking out the, the, you know, the, the, the garbage cans, and the guy across the street is doing it. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I that's a great opportunity. So I hustle, get mine out, and he's bringing his last one out. And so I, I walk over and say, hey, hey, my name's Stan. My wife's Annie. We live across the street here. How you doing? And uh, he introduced himself, Jack and Jill, we'll say, um, live, live across the street from us. And so, Jack, hey, how you doing? And it was kind of like, great, good. I'm glad you got your pins out, bins out. I got mine out. See ya. And just wasn't really interested in developing any kind of connection. And so kind of went, whoa, okay. Well, we're going to just keep trying. And uh, time after time after time, um, we 
we're trying to look for a connection, but garage door up, garage door down. You know, garage door up, garage door down. And really found it hard to, to develop a relationship with them. Well, one of the things that happened is Christmas rolled around like it does every year. And we in our neighborhood, Sandy and I, we have a little tradition. She makes something, you know, some kind of food thing, and I deliver it to our neighbors. Two years ago, she made apple jelly, homemade apple jelly. It's really good. Tastes great on toast. Uh, English muffin gets down in the crevices, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and so she made it, and it was my turn to deliver it. And so I went around to all our neighbors, and and we had made one for um, Jack and Jill across the street. And so I waited till last with them because I thought, well, maybe we'll have a little conversation. That would be nice not to be in a hurry. Remember I told you we were in Central America planning churches? Well, let's flash back just a little bit. One of the things we did in Central America just to get to know people is we would go door-to-door and offer um, Bible studies. And that culture is a little bit different than ours, and it actually was fairly effective. Not always. Sometimes we would go and we'd knock on the door, and um, you'd see this little rustling going around the curtain, you know, and if you looked really carefully, which we got good at, you could see it sort of open and then close, knock again, nothing. Every once in a while, you would notice that's actually a little child because they weren't quite as subtle looking out the door. And then you would hear, hey, mom, it's some guy. And I don't know what they want, but they got Bibles. And um, the mom would, you could just know that she was in the background going, quiet, you know. So they didn't want to answer the door, and that was okay. We just went on to the next one, and, and it was a fairly effective way of, of developing relationships. Back to, back to the Christmas delivery of the jelly. I knock on the door, and I felt like I was back in Central America because over, you know, I could see out of the corner of my eye, a little rustling of the, the curtain, and then nothing. Okay, that's all right. Just hope jelly's a blessing. And I went for a walk around our neighborhood, and that was good. Interestingly enough, though, about 45 minutes later, I'm, you know, we're across the street. I'm walking up to my door, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, hey, Stan, Stan, right? Stan, is that your name? Yeah, Stan. Yeah, Jack, across the street. Hey, you, did you leave the jelly? Yeah, yeah, we did. And he came up, and he gave me this really warm handshake and said, thank you. Merry Christmas. Thinking, hey, that's what we were looking for, sort of a, a development in in our relationship. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe we will be able to get to be friends. Maybe there will be some way that we can bless them. Well, you know what happened? Back to garage door up, garage door down. Garage door up, garage door down. And that's frustrating to me, just to be honest with you. And I begin to ask, Lord, what do you, what do you expect from me in terms of my relationship with my neighbors here? And it was interesting. Kind of felt like the Lord was asking me to continue to try to bless them and to bless them in three different ways. First of all, to continue to try to reach out to them, to befriend them. Secondly, to help them in any way that I could. And third, to, to try to teach them the way of life, the way of Christ, the way of following Jesus in any way that I could. I'd like to say that you know, those three principles, I just thought them up on my own. But really, I think even more significantly than if I just thought of them, they are principles that arise out of Scripture. And from the very beginning of time, what we see is that God blesses his people 
in order to be a blessing to those around them. Again, we saw it in creation. We see it almost in every story that you're going to look at while you're in this series. And today we come to the story of Abraham. Abraham is one of those guys that we first get to know in Genesis chapter 11 at the very end. And we're going to see throughout the story again that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. But in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 11, we see that his name is not Abraham yet. We get to know him as Abram. And if you're looking at that chapter in your Bible, you'll see that it starts, and it's basically a list of generations going from Shem, who happened to be Noah's son. Shem lived through the flood and saw all of that stuff. And Shem down through the generations until we get to a man named Terah. And Terah was the father of three young men, Abraham and his two brothers. It goes on to explain in the last couple verses of that, that chapter that Terah took his Abraham, Abraham's wife, and an orphaned nephew off on a road trip where they ended up out in the middle of nowhere and just kind of stopped. And that's where we pick up Abraham, Abraham's life. He was named Abraham, or he was named Abram, which means exalted father. And just for the record, what I think that means is because in those days their names reflected sort of their personality. I think Abraham, Abram at that point was the kind of guy who would make a great dad. I think he would have played catch with his kids, you know. He would have tried to provide all that he could. And he was a guy who was loyal to his family. If you'll notice, it's just him that goes. One brother had died, but the other one stayed back in Ur. And Ur was like the economic center of the world at that time. It was where things were happening economically. If you wanted to start a business, that's where you would be. And I think, as we'll see later, that Abraham was a budding entrepreneur. But to be loyal to his dad, who we're not quite sure what he was thinking, to leave that kind of place. But to be loyal to his dad, he brings, he, he follows him out of a place where he could have built something economically. And he goes out, this guy who has all the potential to be a great father, but he's married to a woman who's barren. And not only that, but he's experienced the heartbreak of seeing his brother die and leave behind Lot, an orphaned nephew. That's the end of chapter 11. And that's where out, out in the middle of nowhere, with all this stuff kind of going, uh, for Abram, that God speaks to him. And we're going to see that it was there in sort of that desert place where God tells Abram that he is going to bless him. Abraham is blessed to be a blessing. And let's read about it. Acts 12, 1 through uh, Acts 12, 2 and 3. God blesses Abraham to be a blessing. It says this, I will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And get this, all the peoples, not just some of the people, but all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Absolutely, God is going to bless Abraham. God is going to give Abraham a family, a place to belong, and he's going to give him a place to be. 
a place to establish a heritage. And that heritage is going to be amazing because it is going to be a heritage that blesses all the people of the earth. Well, let's look at a couple of ways that that God expects Abraham to be a blessing to those around him. He blesses others by going. That's the very first thing. Verse 1 of chapter 12 tells us that God says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And then in verse 4 it says, So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. There's a sense in which God is saying, Abram, i got to put you in the place where not only can you bless, but you can have the most influence and blessing on those around him. And so Abram said, okay, I'll do it. I'll put up a for sale sign here. I'll pack up the kids and all their stuff, go down to the U-Haul, get an extra donkey, and we'll go. Leave it all behind. The interesting thing, though, is that in this situation, it's implied to us, it kind of teaches us that not only did Abram have to leave sort of behind a dream of, of, of or uh, leave behind his people and change his place geographically, but he also has to bring about a change with some of his relationships. And, and this idea that, that we have here is it says that Lot went with him. We need to understand that this was a patriarchal society. No young person would go to the patriarch of family and say, Hey, um, dude, can I come with you? That just would not happen. What this meant is that Abraham had to look at Lot and say, You know what? I need to deepen my connection with him. I need to reach out to him. He's an orphan. And you know what? This blessing that God give, give, has given me, you know, I'd like to keep it for myself. It'd be nice to get rich. and But I'm going to take Lot with me. I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to take him with me. And so he does that. Lot goes with him. He blesses others by going, not just geographically going, but relationally. He goes to someone who needs his help or needs to know him, needs his connections. And that leads us to the next thing. He blesses by helping. We need to remember that um, in the rest of chapter 12, Abraham, he changes his location. He goes to Canaan, which is going to be the promised land. It's the land that God was going to give him. But when he gets there, there's a whole bunch of foreign, uh, people who already live there. There's not room for him. Plus, there's a famine going on. And so it's kind of like, uh, I'm not sure this is a place to stay right now. He goes down to Egypt, has some interesting stuff happen there. Um, he comes back at the end of um, that chapter. It says he came, comes back up after going to Egypt, and he's become wealthy. That little entrepreneurial spirit that he had, man, whatever it was, he got it working in Egypt. And he comes back, and not only did he get wealthy, but Lot got healthy. And in fact, they got so wealthy that when they came back into the land, they were all, there was a struggle for resources. Lot and Abraham decide they need to separate, you know, bust up the divide and conquer. And, and Lot goes one way, and Abraham goes the other. Lot happens to go to the richer part of the, um, of the country. The great thing about being a part of a richer part of the country is, yeah, there's lots of resources there, but the other bad side to it is that everyone wants those resources. And so what happens, the kings around this place, um, they decide to attack the kings that are ruling there, and they come in and they attack them, and they carry off as POWs, Lot, his family, and his possessions. 
Well, Abraham hears about this. Abram hears about this. Verse uh, 14 and 16 of Genesis 14 says, When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And during the night, he's kind of a strategic guy, he divides his men to attack them and he routed them and then he pursued them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. You know, I'm thinking that at this point, Lot's feeling like, you know, I'm glad I have my uncle around. He is helping me a lot. That is a great blessing. We see Abram help him, and it's a blessing to Lot. And then the story continues. And in Acts chapter 16, we see the story of, of, of Sarah, Abraham's barren wife, saying, you know what? I'm never going to have a baby. I'm past age already. This is messing, you know, with God's promise. Why don't we try it a different way? Um, they say, Hey, why don't you try? Why don't you get preg- get get my uh, servant girl pregnant? They do it. Uh, a child is born, Ishmael. But and then in in verse uh, chapter eighteen, a couple of visitors come and say, you know, Ishmael, we're going to take care of him. But the truth of the matter is, God is going to fulfill His promise to you through another son. Verse um, and and Sarah finds that so funny that she's so old now. In fact, the words she uses, I'm worn out. I'm going to have a baby now. I have a friend who um, started his family about four years ago. And um, since that time, he's had five children. He has a young daughter who's four years old, two sons that are two-year-old, and then uh, two other daughters that are just been born. Talk about worn out. I think that guy is worn out. I think his wife is worn out. And I think Sarah had seen that kind of stuff happen, and she said, oh, really? I'm going to have a baby? Huh? You know, I can hardly get out of bed. My knees creak when I, you know, stand up. And so she laughs. She thinks it's funny. But later, in chapter 21, the promise is fulfilled. Isaac is born. And what we see from that point is that Abraham blesses others by giving life. You see, his name's changed from Abram to Abraham by this point. Abraham means the father of many. You know, a bunch of years earlier, God had said, hey, we're going to change your name from exalted father to father of many. And somehow that seems kind of ironic and probably was sort of humorous to, to Abraham at that point because he's going, I can't even have one kid. How am I going to have, a, have many? But here it is. Isaac is born and he blesses others by giving life to Isaac. And what happened is that started the whole cascade from Abraham. We have, you know, the lineage going down through King David. And then from King David, the lineage follows until Jesus Christ is born. And through Jesus Christ, through his death, we experience the forgiveness of sins. And through his resurrection, we have power to live new life. And that message has been spread throughout most of the world, and it has become a great blessing. And so many of the people of the earth have been blessed. And so what we see is God's promise to Abraham coming true in this very day. But the truth of the matter is, the job isn't done. All the people of the earth have not yet been blessed. There's still a task ahead of us. And so what does that mean for us? Well, God still blesses his people in order that they will be a blessing. What was true for Abraham is true for us today. 
I don't know how you experience your life in Christ, this abundant life that he's called us to experience. But I know that sometimes I'm kind of going, really, God? I feel a little bit like Abraham sometimes with promises, you know, of a new, you know, of, of kids and just not ever getting quite getting there. I feel like that sometimes. And then it's important for us to remember that God has blessed us. And in fact, Ephesians 1 Verse 3 tells us this. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? With every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know what? We have all we need. We have every single blessing that we need in order to experience the abundant, the abundant life that Christ created us to live out. And we forget that sometimes. And, and we go down into sort of places of, of discouragement or whatever in our, our Christian life. And when that happens to me, it always helps me to go back to this verse. I have everything I need to experience all of Christ that I need. And if you read the rest of that chapter, Paul outlines many, many of those blessings. We have forgiveness of sins. We have received power in our life through the power of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. We are redeemed. We have everything we need. And the reason that God has given us everything we need, the reason he has given us every spiritual blessing, is so that we ourselves will then be able to bless those around us. And the way that we bless those around us is pretty much the same that Abraham blesses those around him. We bless others by going. In, uh, in Matthew 28, 19, there's just a simple, well-known verse. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Remember back, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Jesus is just saying, you know, that blessing is getting transferred to you. And just like I asked Abraham to go, I'm asking you to go. And truthfully, the Lord asks many of us to go um, from where we are and to pick up, our, uh, pick up, you know, our, our our possessions and go someplace else, just like He did Abraham. But for many of us, He's not asking us to leave where we are physically. But what He wants us to do is realize that there are people around us who need to receive the blessing that God has for them. And we have the opportunity to go to them. We have the opportunity to befriend them. We have the opportunity to reach out to them. I have the opportunity to continue to go across the street and somehow try to connect with Jack and Jill. So, we had the first Christmas where we gave away the apple jelly. Next Christmas rolls around. Honestly, it's still, up, it's still garage up, garage down. Not much more is going on there. Sandy makes, makes um, this year, it's, you know, that year it was uh, dipped pretzels and chocolate. You know, nice little food thing. Go around, see all the neighbors, wait for Jack and Jill to last, just hoping that we can have a, a little bit of a conversation. Go up, knock on the door, look out of the corner of my eye, rustle, 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 curtain, kind of going, oh, it's going to be the same. But then, bam, the door opens. It kind of gets thrown open, and there's Jill with her grown daughter. Hey, Stan, how are you? Well, just fine, thank you. Merry Christmas. Oh, 
that is so cool, you guys. We liked Apple Joe, you guys, last year. And all of a sudden, we're entering into this conversation. And um, I'm kind of going, this is good. Honestly, I was a little taken back by it. I'm kind of going, I don't know how long to keep this conversation going. I don't, you know, I don't want to be weird and, you know, whatever. But anyway, we have this nice little conversation, and they're so happy that they've seen us. And that we came over and said, Merry Christmas to us. It was good. I'm thinking, maybe this is it. Let me tell you that it wasn't it. For several months after that, most of the interaction we had was garage door up, garage door down, garage door up, garage door down. But still, it was a lot different than the year before. Maybe God is going to continue to open up doors for us to befriend them, to go to them. A second way that God asks us to bless those around us is by helping. We bless others by helping. You know, there's a great story, a parable that Jesus tells in, in Luke. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember that story? There's a guy who's traveling. He gets beat up and, and robbed and left on the side of the road. And, you know, um, first guy that comes by is sort of a, a, a lawyer. And, you know, he steps aside. And then a pastor comes by and he steps aside. And finally, the lowest of the low comes, the Samaritan. And the Samaritan picks him up takes him to the urgent care, then puts him up in a hospital, pays for all of it, tries to make sure that he's taken care of. And then Jesus asks this question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers, Jesus asked. And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Have mercy. Help people. Help the people around us who need help. That's how we bless others. Now, it's interesting, um, Jack and Jill, because we haven't got very deep with them yet, it's really hard for us to know exactly how to help them. But there's been sort of an encouragement that we've, we've sensed from, from the Lord that one of the most significant ways that we can help them is when we are kind of spending some time, you know, in the morning reading our Bible and praying, we look out our front window right at their house. And we find ourselves sort of being compelled to continue to pray for them, to continue to ask the Lord that He would be a blessing to them and that He might give us the opportunity to be a blessing to them. A third way that we um, help one another is by Giving life. We bless others by giving life. And, you know, certainly um, if we look at the idea of making disciples and, and passing on the Christian life to others, we have that opportunity to pass on the abundant life that we have been given to others. Paul, in this passage, it's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, and Paul is writing to Timothy um, these words. He says, And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses... And trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach to others. Now think about how this worked for Paul. Paul basically um, learned much of what it meant to follow Christ from Barnabas. So Barnabas passes it on to Paul. And then Paul takes everything that he's learned from Barnabas and certainly many others, and he passes it on to Timothy. And what he's saying to Timothy is, 
you need to do this multiple times. You need to pass on what you've been given, what you have been blessed with. You need to pass it on to others. And we know from, from Scripture that Timothy was faithful at that. He worked in the, in the church in Ephesus doing that. A guy named Epaphroditus was with him that he built into. And so we see that when one person passes on everything they know to others, that the whole thing sort of explodes. In fact, in the first 300 years of Christianity, the, the, the good news spread so far in the Roman Empire that the emperor kind of was forced to pay attention to Christianity. And Constantine, in 312 AD, said, you know what, I think this Christian thing is real. I want to renounce all the Roman gods follow Christ. It's an amazing thing what happens if we'll just be willing to bless others by passing on the blessing that we have received. Remember I told you I was a youth pastor and I'd like to kind of do a youth pastor thing if you'll allow me to uh, this morning. Youth pastors, we like to do audience participation and some of those kinds of things. And up here you see these silver things. Most of you have probably already guessed that these are Chocolate kisses. And I'd like for these, it's sort of maybe silly, but I'd like for these chocolate kisses to um, illustrate um, or symbolize the abundant life. All right, isn't life a little better because of chocolate? I mean, okay, all right, it's a reach, but let's just say that today. And I'd like to, um, I'd like to, to do a little experiment together today. I'm going to ask for a couple of volunteers. Um, and I'm going to ask them to come up and get one of these little chocolate kisses. And then I'm going to ask them to go out and find someone in the audience and bring them back up so that that person can get a chocolate kiss. And then I'd like for those two people to go out and get two more people. And I'd like just to see how long does it take for everyone in this room to get a chocolate kiss. Let's just check it out. Need a couple of volunteers. Who's willing to do that? Okay, why don't you start? What's your name? Carrie, that's good. Who else? Come on up, man. What's your name? Joe. Joe. Carrie and Joe. All right. Well, go ahead and grab those. Go find someone and give it to them. And then, or no, you keep that. Go grab, grab them and bring them back up so that they can grab a chocolate kiss themselves. All right? Let's just see how this goes. All right. Okay. No, no, no. You get to come back up and get another. Uh, you get to come get another person and bring them up. Okay. Now, both of you go find another person and bring them up. You grab a kit. Yeah, that's it. Now, both of you, just one, now go find someone else and bring them up. Okay? So you just keep doing that. There you go. Finally <laughs> get the husband gets the, the chocolate. That's good. Okay. Now, now both of you go find someone else and bring them up to get a piece of chocolate. All right? Now, it's interesting. You're going to see... Keep going. Once you get a piece, when you get, get one person, you get to keep giving it away. Alright? So, go find someone else to, to invite them to the front to get the chocolate. It's interesting how this is gonna work. It's working along family lines. It's working along friendship lines. Now sometimes, some of you are gonna go have to go invite someone to come up front to get chocolate who you don't know. So be bold and do that. Yeah, the guys in the back. They're coming up, all right? <laughs> you guys in the back. 
All right. Keep doing it. Once you get someone, go get someone else. Yeah, you guys go get someone else and bring them up. All right? Go get someone else and bring them up. Once you get one, bring them up and you multiply this thing. It's like that old Star Trek uh, episode with the trouble with tribbles. Once you get one, go get someone and bring them back up. All right? Have them come up and get someone. Bring them up, get in a, get, have, have them get chocolate. Only a few people don't have chocolate. Let's go find them. Okay, and when you, we're about done. Has everyone got chocolate who wants chocolate? Uh, well, get up here, George. You need to get that. Remain standing once, once we got everyone covered. Let's kind of just remain standing for a second. Okay? It's all right if you didn't want to do it. That's, that's fine. But thank you, Brad. Brad's taking care of me. Okay. Now, you guys have been able to pass along the blessing of chocolate just by inviting others to come and have the same thing. And look how fast. Anyone who wanted chocolate this morning, I think you've gotten it. And if you didn't get it and you wanted it, um, there's some left. You can come get it later. But my point is, is that, yeah, go ahead and sit down. Just wanted you to see how fast and how effective the idea of just taking what you mean, what you have, the blessing that you've received, and going and inviting another person to experience the same blessing. And that was with chocolate. We have the opportunity, as people who have been blessed by God, to experience a, an abundant life that comes through, through knowing Christ, experiencing forgiveness and the power of the resurrection and the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the blessing of passing that on to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. So, about a week and a half ago, um, Sandy's taking out the trash bin and putting them on the curb. And sure enough, Jack decides it's time for him to put out his trash cans too. When I got home that night, Sandy said to me, Stan, it was crazy. Jack, he, he yelled at me saying, Hi, Sandy, how you doing? How, you, how are you guys doing? He actually asked how we were doing and he was interested. And she goes, and I was, I was driving home from um, an errand today and, and Jill she actually made an effort to greet me, to say hi. She goes, that is so different than we've been used to. I want to be honest, this story is not over. You know, this is the, that moment where I wish, you know, you're a preacher, you wish. And I can tell you that those people, you know, decided to follow Jesus. They haven't. And honestly, sometimes I feel a little bit like Abraham. Just like Abraham waited and waited and waited and was faithful and was faithful and prayed and prayed and prayed for years before Isaac came. Okay, it's not quite that dramatic. But I wish this whole thing in terms of our relationship, our ability to bless them, Jack and Jill, was moving on a little bit faster. But what I do know is that God loves them. And God moved them in across the street from us for a reason. And a part of that reason 
is that we could help them understand the reality of God's love for them through blessing them. Blessing them by reaching out to them, blessing them by praying and serving them. And someday, I believe that God is going to allow us the opportunity to pass on the way of life to them. Three questions. Let's finish with these this morning. Who can you bless by going? By befriending? Who comes to your mind if you ask yourself that question? If you ask the Lord that question, who can I bless by befriending? And then who can I bless by helping, whether it's through prayer or an actual physical need that they might have? And finally, who can I bless by giving life, teaching them the way of life, introducing them to the abundant life, helping them understand how much God loves them and has, blood and, and has offered the blessing of abundant life through Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Lord, we believe that you have blessed us. We really do. You know, sometimes we're walking through moments of life and it doesn't, we're not paying that much attention to it. But when in our best moments, in our moments of, of honest reflection, our lives are blessed. You have given us a people to belong to and you have given us a legacy to pass on. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be a blessing to those around us. Help us to know who we can reach out to, who we can befriend. Help us to know how we can help them. Certainly, we want to pray for them. And Lord, if you give us the opportunity to pass on the truth of abundant life in Jesus Christ, we would want to do that. Lord, this morning, I suspect that maybe for the first time, there's someone here who is saying, you know, that blessing that comes from knowing Christ, I don't, I don't have that. And Lord, if there's someone who would like to, to make that decision, to throw everything that they are into uh, following Christ, I pray that you would help them to pray just a, a prayer like this. It says, Lord, I've tried to live on my own. I've been selfish. I haven't cared about others as much as I've cared about myself. I've sinned against you and I've hurt the people around me. Forgive me. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Teach me to live the abundant life that you created me to live. Lord, if someone prayed that prayer, I pray that you would give them the courage to share that with someone, a Christian that they know, so we can walk with them, so that we can teach them, so that we can pray for them, we can encourage them. And Lord Jesus, I pray more than anything else, that you would allow us as your people to become a great blessing to this community, to this region, and really, Lord, around the world. Again, we are grateful for all that you have done for us. And because of that, the best we know how, we commit ourselves to doing what we can to bless others. In Jesus' name.